Hi, everyone. This is America Adapts, the climate change podcast. Welcome, adapters, to the two-year anniversary show of America Adapts. Can you believe it? It's been two years of incredible conversations with the leading experts in adaptation. I want to thank all the people that have come on the podcast to share their incredible stories of how society is going to adapt to climate change. In this week's very exciting episode, I have a special guest host who will interview me. We go behind the scenes of America Adapts and discuss what happens next. Okay, let's get this anniversary show started. Hey, Adapters, this is Sean Martin, guest hosting the America Adapts podcast with podcaster extraordinaire Doug Parsons of the America Adapts podcast. Hi, Doug. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're more than welcome. And I just had to do this because the world is celebrating the second year anniversary of America Adapt. Oh, that's very exciting. I, I appreciate your, you taking over guest host duties for this, this anniversary. I, it kind of snuck up on me, but yeah, I, I'm very excited we've made it this far. You know, the silver anniversary is 25 years, and when you get to 50 years, it's the gold anniversary. The two-year anniversary is the cotton anniversary. <laughs> Do you have any cotton stories to share with us? Cotton. Uh, God, no. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing an adaptation story on cotton? You know, cotton is very vulnerable to climate change. It's a very thirsty crop. It's uh, grown with a lot of irrigation, and that's all vulnerable to climate change. And I really think you should explore this before we all end up wearing polyester again. Well, funny you mentioned that. I have an upcoming episode again visiting Australia, and I'm going to be talking to some rural folks. And so I'll try to remind myself to ask about cotton because there's a lot of cotton grown in Queensland, and that is the focus of that episode. So good question. So, Sean, before you jump right into all these great questions, like who are you? So, Doug, I am the Senior Director of Climate Change Adaptation and Resilience at World Wildlife Fund in Washington, D.C., your former home. And I've been at WWF for about 18 years. And about the last 10 years or so, I've been focusing a lot of my work on adaptation. And uh, I'm also, as you know, an advisor to the America Dats podcast. Yes, you are. I greatly appreciate everything that you do for the podcast. And I think people will remember it's been one of my most popular is your, it's been probably like a year and a half now when we did a whole episode w with you. So yeah, if you haven't heard that one, go back. It, it's a great episode 26, okay, January there you 23rd, <laughs> there you, there 2017. You go. <laughs> Don't miss it. And here you are now guest hosting. Here I am guest hosting. So let me ask you, Doug, how did you decide to get into podcasting and why a podcast about adaptation of all things? Okay, so I've been doing this for two years now. And I was actually, when I, my previous position, I was at the Society for, Society for Conservation Biology. I was thinking about doing a podcast there because, as most folks know, it's, it's a relatively low-cost way to kind of get yourself out there. You know, you don't need a ton of equipment. And yeah, you know, if you have a good idea and you have some good content, then you can put some material out there. And so I was thinking about doing it there, but then I left SCB and I, there was a period of a few months where I was looking for work and I thought, you know what, I got to keep my mind sharp on adaptation. And so I decided to start the America Adapts podcast probably three or four months after I left SCB 
And I was looking at doing it on a weekly basis because just once you kind of dig into podcasts, you have to come up with some sort of recurring pattern. And, and that was my goal. And the whole point was kind of keeping my mind sharp. And then it just took on a life of its own. And has the podcast kept your mind sharp? I think so. I think sort of. Yeah. For a while there. And I'm sure that's your bias too. I mainly knew folks in the wildlife conservation universe, but like after six months of doing the podcast, I discovered that adaptation really was a much bigger universe and I was getting recommendations and I was just learning more about the field of adaptation, dealing with national security issues, dealing with landscape architecture. I mean, it really covers every sector of society. And I learned a lot more than what I had been doing with just wildlife conservation. And you've really covered a broad range of topics on your podcast, which I also find fascinating. I'm learning a lot, too. So, Doug, you know I am a podcast fanatic myself, and uh, I've often dreamed of hosting my own podcast. One of the reasons why I jumped at the offer to host today's episode But for those of people like me who are thinking about doing a podcast, getting into podcasting, starting their own, what were your first few months like when you started America Adapts? Well, you know what? They were actually a bit lonely. And, you you know, being a podcaster in general, if you're just kind of an independent podcaster, it's lonely. But you try to figure out what it means to podcast. And all of a sudden, you need to learn a bunch of technical skills. Nothing that's too hard. But you're just, you know, learning how to edit MP3 files and all those sort of things. Meanwhile, figuring out what is, what is it you want to talk about? And, you know, my background has been in climate change adaptation. And I thought, you know, there just wasn't anyone really talking about that. And so I thought I'd be filling a nice niche there. But I think you have to be really strategic in determining what you want to talk about because you can quickly just sort of dive into other topics. And so there's a technical side of podcasting, but then there's a sort of commitment to what is your show going to be about? Because if you just randomly talk about things, your listeners are going to disappear. You'll discover that quickly. And when you first publish as an indie podcaster, you have all these giant podcasts out there that I'm sure you listen to too, but you know, This American Life and all the sort of biggies. With those larger podcasts, they have a a network that they can get. So when you're an indie podcast, you start basically from zero. And so the first few months was, okay, I got five downloads this day. And then it slowly builds up. And so one of the things that you learn as a podcaster is if you're any good, you you will start to grow. And so I was growing. And after three or four months, I was starting to hear from people and the numbers kept going up. And so I, I decided at that point, I was like, you know what? I, I might be actually pretty good at this thing. And I always like to acknowledge, I, I look at my original four uh, podcasts fondly. And one of your employees was actually uh, uh, one of those original four, Nick Advani. 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 Thank you. I can't even remember. Molly Cross, Bob Glazer, and Nick Fisichelli. And so the original four. And I think that's how you kind of found out about the podcast. It's just because he, he was on it, right? No, actually, that's not how I found out about it. Oh, how'd you find out about it? I think I might have been looking for an adaptation podcast and you popped up. And then I looked at you on LinkedIn and I reached out to you and said, Hey, I'd like to meet you. We're hosting this uh, symposium on resilience climate resilience and you said hey i'm a podcaster yeah we should meet so the first time we met was at that symposium in 2016 and 
two months later, we were doing an episode. And then I found out Nikhil had done it. <laughs> See, that's a, that's he made me do it. I, well, I remember meeting, yeah, I remember that, that event, but that's funny because, you know, here one of your employees is just going rogue doing media appearances without telling no, the boss. He wasn't going rogue. He, he, he did a great job and I'm glad he did it. It was yeah. a great episode. It was a very good episode. Back to the, you know, those first few months were kind of, you'd, you'd get up in the morning, you're like, is anyone listening to this? And so you, even though you see your sort of downloads, you're like, you're not quite sure. You're just throwing this content, content out into the wind. And it was a little, I don't want to say stressful, but you're like, gosh, is anyone getting value out of this? And yeah, the first few months are actually rough. And so if you are thinking about starting your own podcast, be committed to sticking with it for three months, six months, you know, even with your day job, because that's when you really start to hit a sweet spot and you'll actually get better at what you do. And and as many podcasts as you think are out there, we have only scratched the surface. I think there's a a lot of space for a lot more podcasts. And I've actually helped quite a few podcasts. I've mentored some podcasts, even ones that are focusing on adaptation. I have no problem. Everyone has a different voice. Everyone brings something different to it. So I, I think that's exciting. So you have stuck with it. You've committed yourself to two years now, and you've grown a lot, and you are actually a real bona fide celebrity. <laughs> I'm sure there's other celebrities chasing you down for selfies and autographs. Can you tell us about any experience you've had with celebrities? Yeah, there's the A-list celebrities, B-list, and then there, I'm down at the D-list, but I guess in its own way, in the adaptation. Rather than not being a celebrity. <laughs> right. In adaptation circles, I, I'm somewhat of a celebrity. You know, I actually had a moment, which was super cool. I remember texting my wife as I was at a coffee shop in DC and I'm just working on an episode and I have a sticker on my laptop that has America. I have some stickers. Anyone want a sticker? Contact me. I'd be happy to send you to put on your car or your computer. And this uh, young woman working at the coffee shop came up to me and she said, are you Doug Parsons? And I'm I'm just like, what? Uh, And she just said, you know, are you America Daps Doug Parsons? And I'm like, well, yes. And so she saw the sticker and I think she had seen a picture of me or something on the website. And so that was one of the few times someone kind of randomly came up and acknowledged me in context of the uh, podcast. But I got, of course, a, a little thrill out of that and telling my wife, hey. People are coming up to me on the street, recognizing me over the podcast. So that was fun. And I know you've recently moved from the Washington area to Tucson. And you told me that was to escape the the media hounding you all the time and the paparazzi constantly out your door. So (laughs) if you are going to start a podcast, folks, beware. One day you too will be a celebrity. Well, I think here, just as, as an aside, your true celebrity comes from your voice and people get my sound. I think I sound like a prepubescent teen, but as people listen to you regularly, they get used to your voice. And I've been on numerous calls where I'm talking to someone outside of the podcast and it'd be like, Oh, it's your voice. And it's not me just talking to him in the podcast, but they're having a conversation with me. And so I guess that's the sort of audio celebrity, which is kind of fun when they, they're listening to your voice, whereas as your own voice, you don't think it's very remarkable. So. I think the very first time I listened to one of your podcasts and, and we spoke afterwards, I told you how impressed I was with your voice and what a great podcasting voice it is. I listened to probably 20, 25 different podcasts and the voice makes all the difference. There's some people I just don't want to listen to because I don't like their voice. You have a great voice, Doug. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> um, and I hear it from other people and, and all, I appreciate it. It's just, uh, my wife, I think, is probably my worst critic. So, uh, she's not impressed with my voice. So. So, Doug, you have grown a lot 
and you, you you have a lot of listeners now. I was wondering if you could tell us what the most popular episode was, either in terms of numbers or the amount of feedback you've gotten. And then among what's your favorite podcast? And you're not allowed to pick mine. Episode 26, January 2017. Oh, damn. That was it, too. <laughs> All right. I, I think I've mentioned this before, but the overwhelmingly most popular podcast and like sort of raw numbers has been when I interviewed Mark Morano. And for those who aren't familiar with that episode, that's he's the professional climate skeptic he used to work with Russ Limbaugh. And uh, he came on and he talked about what motivated him. It wasn't a debate about climate change. I, I wasn't interested in that conversation. And then Randy Olson, who I've had on several times, uh, we sort of dissected what Mark had to say. And people just loved it. They loved getting, you know, behind the curtain on climate skepticism from someone who does it professionally. It was a very friendly conversation, even though I was like, I don't like anything that you're doing. And then when Randy came on and sort of dissection of it, I think people found useful. And what was great about that too is that we, we, I've had people who are using that in the classroom. I, and uh, she actually came, like Kate came on from uh, University yeah. of Waterloo. And she had been using that in her classroom. She had her students listen to that. And so that was very satisfying that it was provided that kind of value too, outside of just sort of entertaining listening that people were finding academic value out of that conversation. And it, that was the most popular one. But I mean, people have responses in different ways to different episodes. I'm never quite sure what people, I, the one I like to bring up is that I, I did is relatively recent is, uh, you can't handle the truth, sea level rise in the law with, uh, Margaret. Yeah, Mar 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 fascinating. Yeah. When, and when I did it, it was a great conversation with her, but I'm just like, Oh, that was a bit wonky. I, I'm not quite sure if this will be that popular just cause you know, it was wonky, but it was it's, to me is one of those that it's going to be on the shelf. It's going to be a great reference, um, episode it turned out one of my most popular of all time. And I heard tons of feedback on Margaret's work and, yeah, I, I can't necessarily predict. And, you know, I had Bill McKibben on, which, and that was pretty early. And I was just thrilled to death when I, I, I got, was able to get him on. And he came on. And it was a relatively short conversation. And it actually it didn't have huge download numbers. And I, and I sort of attribute that as people probably hear from him in all sorts of different avenues. But at the same time, we don't really talk about adaptation either. And I think a lot of my listeners have expectations. Doug, stick to adaptation. And you're one of them. You hassled me about yes. that. And if I go away from adaptations, it's probably just to talk about maybe science communication or climate communication. And that's probably the only time I veer away from it. And I've stuck with it. And I've been asked by different groups to focus on some climate mitigation issues. And I just purposely kind of push back saying, you know, that's just not my thing. I don't, I don't have experience. It's my professional life. I'm work, I've worked in adaptation. I think I ask better questions and I'm just more interested in it. So that's, yeah. Been, and you know, your your podcast is really a niche. There aren't many people talking about adaptation. Everyone's talking about climate change mitigation. And so I think this is, you know, your podcast is a unique resource out there for people interested in this dimension of the climate challenges we face. Well, that's how I, when I first started it and I was searching around for podcasts on it, I did not see much. There are people who might have done individual episodes around it, but with a whole one dedicated to it, no. And, you know, as you well know, there's a million stories to be told. And the first, like back to those first three months, I'm like, I'm going to burn out of guests in a few months. But then it's just, I've barely scratched the surface. I'm sitting on multiple episodes. I've got a queue of people constantly wanting me to, to do certain topics. And so I think, 
we're going to be dealing with this for decades. Hopefully, I'll be able to stick with it for a while. So, yeah, and adaptation, climate change itself, there's leaves nothing untouched. Everything needs to adapt. We're just going to have more and more ways to talk about or context to talk about adaptation in. With climate change mitigation, I think it would get stale pretty quickly. Today, we're going to talk about solar. Now we're going to talk about geothermal. And then next week, we'll talk about wind energy. <laughs> if people want to listen to that, I, I encourage those podcasts, go do that. It's just not my niche. And you know what? I'm not able to ask the kind of questions I want to ask because it's not my background. And I think that's what I bring to this podcast. So that's why I don't do it. Yeah. With adaptation, you can talk about cotton, you can talk about wildlife, you can go anywhere in the world. You're going to have an interesting conversation, no matter who and what and where you talk about adaptation. I agree. So good choice. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we're talking about podcasting, and there's, I guess there's lots of different ways to communicate about adaptation. You know, there's a lot of scientific journal articles. You can read organizational literature. There are blogs, newsletters. Why a podcast? Well, okay, a few reasons there. It, blogs, you know, it, it's it's is a written form. And some people, especially a generational thing, a lot of people are still confusing blogs and podcasts. I was had someone once really? said, yeah, someone once said they're going to watch my blog, and I just I didn't I didn't even know how to correct that sort of statement. But so podcast, there's actually more research coming out on how people absorb podcasts. And I'm very interested in this, especially with the people using in an academic setting, is that audio learning, people absorb information in different ways. And as you know, you are an avid podcast listener. If you find one you like and you subscribe to it, you're pretty loyal to it. And it it has a loyalty that you're not necessarily getting elsewhere. Let's say you're a member of a conservation group. You know, you might get their newsletter and you read it or you read parts of it. People who are making an effort to subscribe to a podcast, you don't necessarily listen to every episode, but there's just a different dynamic. And I think that's kind of exciting because it, you create, I guess, a tighter relationship with the people that make the effort to listen to you. And, you know, it's as you grow and you're influencing people. I'm always just pleasantly surprised when I hear from random people on how they're using it, you know, why they appreciate yeah. cer certain episodes. It just, it really is a good feeling that, you know, you're just not sending something out there. No one's listening, but they are. And you're influencing thing. And again, this whole notion of a niche. And I thought this is very exciting to me is that there's a lot of people working on adaptation now, but it's still just, I think, getting started. But there aren't actually a lot of public forums or national figures. And I just had this conversation with Su Susan Moser in my last episode, which, w yeah. again, was very well received. Heard lots of feedback because people loved hearing from her and from the Kresge Foundation. And we talked about there just really aren't national leaders. And on the mitigation side, you might hear about a Bill McKibben or an Al Gore. But on the adaptation side, there isn't. And with the podcast, it's a venue for bringing these people on and sharing these. You know, to me, they're almost becoming sort of these adaptation all-stars. It's a venue that wasn't there before. And even though it's not a gigantic NPR uh, size podcast, it's it's an organizing force within the adaptation universe. And that's exciting to me. And I, and I like to think that I'm supporting that and helping that grow because – if you put out a report or if you put out a newsletter, these things just aren't making their way out there uh, as I think the right. podcast can. And I, 
as much as I like to think it's a substantive venue, it's also just entertainment too. And you, rarely in our wonky topic do we have entertaining, you know, <laughs> things to, uh, to to engage with. So that that's where I feel wonky I'm, uh, and depressing. Right, right. If I can make it conversational, entertaining, and you know, you create a personality, be it me as the host of it or as the people that come on. You, Sean, Martin, your episode was popular, and you, I, I don't know, you've you had people who came up to you and said they listened to it and enjoyed it, right? Yeah. All right. So it's it's my mother, <laughs> your mother, Grandma Nooney. She did listen to it. You know, I don't think podcasts are necessarily a generational thing. I think it's very specific to the individual. I'm no spring chicken. I'm 53 and I am a real fan of podcasts. My mother listens to a lot of podcasts and I find a lot of younger people don't. I was just at a, a workshop last week in Virginia and there were about 35 people there. And I was, of course, recommending everyone listen to the America Daps podcast. And I asked those 35 people, raise your hand if you listen to podcasts and only about seven people raised their hand. Oh. I was really surprised. And well, they were probably in, you know, 20s and 30s, most of them. So I, I, I just don't know what makes people listen to podcasts. But for those people who do, it is an amazing resource. And I'm glad America Adapts exists because I'm sick of reading about it. I want to just listen to it. Yeah, you know, if I can even call it like it's the Tonight Show of adaptation. Yeah, I, I, I would love that. That's that's the sort of what I'm going for. And conversational, I, most of my guests, I think at the end of the conversations, they've really enjoyed the process. They've been asked intelligent questions, but sometimes we have fun with it. And and with podcasts that are smaller like mine, it's all about word of mouth. And so what you're doing, that's how it grows. It's just I can do social media. I can do these other things. Seven people at a time. Right, seven. But you know, if you have uh, 500 listeners, 2,000 listeners, 5,000 listens, and you know, a lot of them are sharing. That's just how you grow, and it's and you grow because you produce great content. And if you get into the sort of nitty gritty of podcasting, that's the most important advice you will ever receive: is just focus on the content. Don't worry about your website. Don't worry about your social media. Just focus on your content, and the rest will come. Okay. What are we going to be talking about when we celebrate your three-year anniversary? What are your plans for the next year? You got anything exciting? You want to go in any new directions? Well, I started to do this, and thanks to you, to, to, to a large extent, is like I, I do most of my podcast here. I'd interview people from all over the world and mainly from the U.S., but I also go on location. And mm-hmm. WWF generously sponsored me to go to Uganda. We are working on an episode where I went to Kenya, and I've done that where I've gone to conferences. And so I really like to go You're just out. Just in Australia, I was I was invited to Australia to give a keynote presentation, and I recorded a podcast. And again, that was a very popular one. And so I want to do more on location. And it looks like I'm going to New Orleans. Actually, Climate Nexus is going to sponsor me to go to New Orleans. Um, Great. Yeah, and so more like that. And that that's Lots it. to talk about there. You know, I probably need to go back on top of what I'm doing there. But so if, as people know, I think people have questions too, of like how you, you sustain what you're doing here. And so I'm a nonprofit organization. I have people who give charitable donations to this, but probably the main source of revenue is through these sponsored podcasts where I go on location. I get paid for staff time on top of the travel. 
And it's just, it's word of mouth getting recommendations on, on doing these things. And a lot of it has to, is part of convincing people that this product that I'm delivering, that this podcast now is sort of part of the permanent record. And it's just an exciting way to deliver some really concrete information. And, you know, people who listen to NPR regularly, you get that. And you got that when you came out in the first place. You understood that we need new ways of learning things. And so the podcast versus like paying someone to write a report. You know, you use the podcast to kind of deliver the information in a different way, and I think right. it resonates in a much different way. And so I hope to do continue to do on-location-sponsored podcast. And if I do anything a little bit different as opposed to the conferences or maybe just going to talk with professional organizations, it's I'm literally maybe out on the ground where I'm visiting people that are impacted by these things. And so maybe getting my shoes a bit dirtier than I have in the past. So I think a year from now, I'd like to do a bit more of that. And again, maybe more overseas work too. Uh, I've tried to get to Cuba on a podcast. I think that would be great to look wow. at something. Got up to, yeah. And again, it's about sponsorship. Um, that, that gets me there. And I talked to someone, a listener in Indiana, and we were talking about doing a red state adaptation. And you know, it's about getting sponsored to go do these things. And these are the kind of different stories I'd like to do. Well, yeah, even though you're your podcast is American Adapts, and I imagine most of your audience are Americans. I know a lot of people overseas who are listening, and you mentioned that the po podcast that we sponsored in Uganda was one of the most popular. I think that Americans have a lot to learn from other countries. We don't often look to other countries as uh, sources of inspiration or innovation, and we need, to, we need to do that a lot more, particularly in adaptation we're all making this up as we go along and we really need to learn from everyone. So I encourage you to get out there, go on site, both in the U S and other places and just keep on, keep on learning. I agree. And you know, some of those overseas episodes have been very popular. The one, the Australia one, the one I did in you know, community based adaptation in Uganda, people just love hearing all those different voices and like five, 10 minute interviews are, are always popular too. And you're just kind of hearing from a diversity of folks. And so, yeah, that there's a million stories to be told. And I do have, you know, a lot of overseas listeners. I think they're very curious in what's going on. And at the same time too, I think they're looking for just, a, a, I guess a more relaxed way of learning about these subjects as opposed to the very technical way that we've approached adaptation until now. And I think for those people who are out there writing reports, you should get Doug to do a podcast on your report <laughs> because you can really convey the information in your report in a much more friendlier conversational format uh, than someone just sitting down and reading your hundred pages that you spent the last two years writing. A podcast is a great way to get people interested in your report and then they'll go and read it. And yes, I agree. And the American Dapps audience is it's very influential. Report writers. Well, report writers, but they're just very influential uh, adapters. I call all my listeners adapters. And it's just, you're talking to all the people doing this all over the country and all over the world. And so it's a nice way to kind of tap into that expertise. So yeah, I recommend that too. We are all adapters, aren't we? The world is changing and we have to adapt whether we like it or not. And there's some of us who are spearheading that effort, but in the end, we're all adapters. So everyone should be listening to your podcast. <laughs> that would be a stretch. Uh, I could hand out some stickers at a NASCAR rally. That reminded me, adapters. So you like this story? Is I, I heard from a listener up in British Columbia in Vancouver, 
And she was telling me that they've created these sort of social groups up there. There's like an adaptation beer group where they go and drink beer and talk about adaptation. And then they've her, she created with some other folks, but she was the main driver of it. And they've got a name for it. It's like an, an informal social network where they'll get together, talk about these issues, but just in formal settings. And they're called League of Resilient Adapters. And I mean, I love that, that, that these the things. LRA. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's this comic book, superheroes, League of Resilient Adapters. And so she and I are chatting, might actually try to get her on and see if we can encourage other chapters in other parts of the, you know, even the U.S. And so anyway, lots of cool organic things popping up. Yeah. At WWF, I had a email group called Climate Change Avengers. Oh, nice. Good, good, good. But you should have said adapters and just use the Avengers font. So, Doug, I know you mentioned earlier that you're a nonprofit organization. And uh, I am a monthly contributor, went online and to your website, americadeps.org, and I signed up to donate. And uh, I know you need a lot of help, so this podcast continue. And there are a number of ways that your listeners can contribute. Do you want to tell us about some of those ways? Well, yes. Thank you, Sean. And for all of the contributors already out there who donate to America Daps, thank you so much. It's greatly appreciated. I am a nonprofit organization, and I think some people are not quite clear what how it really works. This is my day job, and you know, quite frankly, <laughs> it keeps me busier than I thought it would. It's not, it's not just producing the podcast and then social media. It's just you are now asked to do other things, or you weigh in on things, or asked to speak, and so it really is. I'm. I'm doing all these things associated with being a, a, a sort of a public persona on this issue. And yeah, it's just, if you're out there, there in every show notes, there's a, we did it. It's just a link and it takes you in as Sean. Thank you, Sean. You are a monthly contributor, be it $3, $5, $10 a month. If you are a regular listener, I, I hope you consider contributing, even if it's a one-time donation. It's just, it's, can allow me to keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, again, as we talked about in this podcast, is we're just scratching the surface. And I think there's a big demand for this. And I hope you are enjoying the product that I'm giving you out there. And I would like to continue to stay as a nonprofit. There's other options, but you know, this is, uh, doing some advocacy here and bringing attention to the issue. And if you're, representing maybe a larger organization and you don't have your own podcast, sort of do what Sean has done. If you want a sponsored podcast, maybe there's a great story that you're working on a project and you want to do an individual podcast and you want to use America Daps. I have my built-in audience. It's very influential in that universe. And so it's another way to kind of contribute. That's another way for revenue for the organization. And so I found that a really useful way. All of our projects have communications budgets that we might use to write a report. Why not do a podcast? <laughs> Nicely said. Think about it. Those, you will get a grant from a foundation and it says five, 10% of your money needs to go to communication and just by default, three days left on the project, you throw together a report. How about you use that money for a podcast and that's going to have a much longer shelf life out there. So if you're looking for ideas for communicating all that exciting work that you're doing, yeah, podcast. And you're also doing speaking gigs. Yes. Again, that's the notion of being kind of a public persona around adaptation. What, what was really cool. And I, there, I'm sure gonna, some of them are going to listen to this now. I, I was invited down to Australia to speak, to do a keynote presentation to a adaptation conference there. And I'm just like, well, how did you end up picking me? And you know, I just had listeners down in Melbourne, Australia and they were talking like, who should we get to be our keynote? And they, someone threw out my name. 
And so I, 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 I've done a lot of public speaking just in my career, but it's something I want to continue to do and just share the stories. I've had 70 episodes now. Those are a lot of great stories on top of my own opinions about adaptation. So if you're looking, even if you're not in the adaptation universe, but you're, you think people would be interested in hearing an entertaining and very informative presentation. And, you know, uh, yeah, that's, I'm trying to get more into that realm too. And I think it's just, it's good, uh, awareness building for the podcast too. So you heard of folks, weddings, bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, Doug's available. <laughs> right. Or if you're a big conference, the aluminum association conference and you need a keynote speaker. Yeah. Those kind of things too. But yeah, maybe uh, weddings, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to a wedding where you're talking about adaptation. It's true. Doug, this has been fantastic talking to you and congratulations on the second anniversary of your podcast, America Daps. And I wish you many more. Well, thank you for coming on being guest host as Sean and I, I, I'd be remiss. I wouldn't, I have an advisory committee. I'm in a nonprofit and Sean has been there since the very beginning. I have. Anita Van Breda from WWF, who's on the committee. I have Jesse Keenan from Harvard University. Jade Lovell from Reagency. She does all sorts of marketing work. Dan Ackerstein, he does lead planning. And Molly Cross from the Wildlife Conservation Society. So look, I mean, it's an all-star lineup of people advising me. And yeah, I want to thank those. If you guys are listening, thank you for being on the committee. Just giving me oh, great they're feedback. Listening. <laughs> you better be listening. <laughs> giving me great feedback, helping me sort of set a course for this. It's not just all on me, but I've have an all-star lineup of people who, who know these things and are help and want America deaths to succeed. So thank you, Sean. Well, you're welcome. It's been my honor and my pleasure to work with you. Next stop is, uh, what's something big we could do? Uh, well, the next big guest, we'll, we'll get a Leonardo DiCaprio or something like that. Just uh, get some big numbers, right? Yeah. We'll go out and recruit our A-list celebrity for adaptation. <laughs> well, again, I encourage people to listen to that Susan Moser conversation because we dig into that. What, where, where are those people? And so we, we need to kind of encourage that, even though it sounds kind of superficial. We, we need that. That's how you generate excitement around the subject. It can't just be boring conference technical sector. So well, let's work on it. So all you Hollywood agents listening out there, you heard it. We're looking for an A-list celebrity to represent the field of adaptation. Well, I was thinking about dying. <laughs> I'm thinking about dying my hair platinum blonde like Guy Fieri and just doing some sort of triple D, but kind of an app adaptation theme thing. You know, it's totally personality driven <laughs> and driving a convertible Mustang. It's America Daps. Have you ever thought about doing the podcast from a car, like ad adapters drink coffee in a car? Uh, listen, I, 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 we didn't dig into that, but two years from now or whatever, I want to bring in a visual element. I think I have a YouTube channel and I've chatted with folks like maybe there's an America Daps uh, reality show or television show where we're actually bringing that sort of element. And that's it's a little bit off, but I think America Daps is a nice banner to cover a lot of these stories. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're thinking about it. And then America adapts the movie. Starring <laughs> Brad Pitt. As Doug Parsons. Right. All right, Doug. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon again. Adapters, that's a wrap. Thanks, John. That's a wrap, Adapters. Thanks again to Sean Martin, Senior Director, Climate Change Adaptation and Resilience at World Wildlife Fund for guest hosting. Great work, Sean. Sean. 
Don't forget you can donate and support America Dapp so we can do this for another two years and even more. The donate page is in the show notes. Please consider a one-time donation or recurring donation. This podcast is a success because of you, the listener. Okay, adapters, keep up the great work. I'll see you next time.